0: Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Health Uncensored podcast. I'm your host, Talia LaVore, physician assistant, rogue physician assistant, and we are really getting on a roll here, people. Like, We've got some podcast episodes under our belt. I'm pretty pumped, and I've got a lot more coming in the pipeline, so I'm super excited, and I'm really, really excited today because we are talking about a huge and life-changing subject, and that subject is autoimmune disease. And I got to tell you, this has been, you know, I think about a lot of topics, a lot of things that I want to talk about and that I want to teach about and that I want to share with you. And this has been on my list for a long time. And I think it's because, you know, I realized a while back that not only do obviously autoimmune diseases impact a huge percentage of women, but it's this term that, you know, in the medical community and then just in general, we just kind of throw it around and we talk about this autoimmune disease and that autoimmune disease and we use this term and we just throw it around thinking that everybody automatically has this just deep understanding of what autoimmune diseases are and what causes them. And I feel like sometimes we do ourselves a disservice if we just make this assumption and we don't go back and really set that foundation and go to the roots and talk about what these things are. So I wanted to talk about it today. And in fact, you know, I thought about it and I thought, you know, I bet there are tons of traditional practitioners out there that don't even really have a firm grasp on autoimmunity. So if you went into your doctor right now, if you went into your provider and you said, you know, what is an autoimmune disease? They'd probably look at you and, you know, confidently state, well, it's when your body gets confused and it starts attacking itself. And it thinks it's an invader. And that would be pretty much it. And that's where they'd leave it. And it's not that that's untrue, but I feel like there's just so much more to the story. And therein lies the difference between conventional medicine and holistic or functional medicine. Because autoimmune disease doesn't stop with one sentence. It's kind of like the start of this like Archaeological dig that can reveal so many answers as to why you are feeling the way you are feeling and what you can do about it. And so today I'm joined by my really good, great friend, and esteemed and brilliant colleague, Dr. Emily Park. And we are going to break this all down for you all once and for all. So I adore Emily. She's pretty much one of the coolest chicks I know. And yes, I said that about an, an extremely intelligent physician. But I know like, if you met her in person, and I really hope that you do one day because she's that awesome, you would never know that she boasts a CV that would render other physicians speechless. So I just wanted to – I'm going to read this because there's no way I could remember all this stuff. But I wanted to share it with you because – I want you to know where she's coming from, how brilliant she is, but when you hear her talk, you'll be like, there's no way that this is that woman. So anyway, let me just tell you a little bit about Dr. Park. So she earned a bachelor's degree in cardiorespiratory science at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. So, you know, raise the roof for anybody from New York, and this was near her hometown, and she attended medical school at Rowan University in New Jersey. So once she graduated from medical school, she completed her anesthesia residency at the world-famous, top-ranked Cleveland Clinic, where she served as chief resident. Now, her desire to tackle complex medical challenges led her to pursue a pediatric anesthesia fellowship at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia consistently one of the top three children's hospitals in the country, where she was chief fellow. After completion of her anesthesia training in 2009, she took took a job practicing pediatric anesthesia in Phoenix, Arizona, doing complex pediatric anesthesia cases, as well as serving as vice chair of the pediatric pain medicine, medicine department at Phoenix Children's Hospital from 2010 to 2012. But in 2012, Dr. Park completed training in medical acupuncture, which then led her to the cutting-edge field of functional medicine. She then began training with the Institute for Functional Medicine, or IFM, shortly after. She's a IFM-certified functional medicine practitioner, and she has completed the Cresser Institute for Functional and Evolutionary Medicine ADAPT clinician training program as well. Ooh, I mean, this is so much, I can barely get it out. And then Dr. Park has now opened her own functional medicine clinic in Arizona called Arizona Wellness Medicine. So what I love about Dr. Park is that she really is the best of both worlds. And we all know, I mean, there is a place for traditional conventional medicine, and then there's a place for functional and holistic medicine. And this woman is a tiny little firecracker. She has all the knowledge of traditional traditional medicine, but she is one of, I think, only two dual certified functional medicine practitioners in Arizona. And she's just amazing. And even though we start this episode off with a few giggles because we're drinking hot tea in the desert, uh, this topic really is serious. And I just wanted to touch on this a little bit because I think we need to kind of really spend a little time in the seriousness of it because we need to take it seriously in order to make some progress with it. So here's the deal, ladies. Not only are we discovering more and more autoimmune diseases, the incidence of autoimmune disease is rising rapidly and the consequences really are no laughing matter. So let's let's look at this. The National Institutes of Health estimates that over 23.5 million Americans have at least one autoimmune disease. And then there's other agencies that look at this number and think it's actually closer to 50 million. 50 freaking million people. That is a huge number. There are 325 million people in the United States. That means that anywhere from 7 to 15% of people in the US have an autoimmune disease. I, I mean, this is intense. This is serious. I mean, does this alarm anybody else but me? We can't just you know, turn a blind eye to this. We have to really confront this and look at this and look at what's causing this. So let me throw another curveball at you to make these statistics even more serious. 78% of people with autoimmune diseases are women. And I'm not liking this, people. I'm not liking it a bit. And here's the worst of it, okay? Autoimmune disease is one of the top 10 leading causes of death in female children and women in all age groups up to 64 years of age. That is insane. That's insane. I mean, a lot of times I think we look at autoimmune diseases like, oh, it's just an autoimmune disease. No, the consequences are severe. The consequences could be terminal if you don't approach us the right way. But when you start, stop and think about this, I mean, it all starts to make sense. I am hard-pressed to find a woman that doesn't have an autoimmune, autoimmune disease or know someone who has one. And gone are the days that autoimmune diseases were just about type 1 diabetes or some rare thing that no one even heard about. Now, things like Hashimoto's, Graves, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, celiac disease. These are just commonly discussed in everyday conversation. Okay, we got to hold up because... You know, if you know me, you know, I'm not like a gloom and doom kind of gal. I do want to get your attention. I do want you to take this stuff seriously. I do want you to pay attention and become your own advocate because today you are not only going to learn more than most doctors know about what an autoimmune disease is, what they are, what triggers them, but equally important, you are going to learn what you can do to stop them from progressing and even to get them to go into remission. Yes, this is possible. Remember how I said earlier that most doctors don't even know that much about autoimmune diseases? Well, what do you think that most of them would say if you asked if there's anything you can do about an autoimmune disease or if you can reverse it? And they'd say no. They'd say there's nothing you can do other than take this medicine and hope for the best. And I know that many of you are listening to this and nodding your heads because your doctors have said the same thing. And do you know what I say to this? I freaking call it bullcrap. And I'd really like to use the real word here, but the podcasting peeps like just don't like it. So I say, bull crap, here's the truth. And I hope you get as excited as I do about this. You can do something about autoimmune diseases. Contrary to what you may have been told, you don't have to just sit there and get bitch slapped by this whole process. And pardon me for the earmuff moment, but it's the truth. In fact, once you get to the root of the disease and you figure out what triggered it in the first place, you can just go in there and you can reverse engineer your way back into health. How stinking awesome is that? It's as simple. Is it as simple as taking a pill? No. Could there possibly be a few ups and downs? Oh, yes. I mean, yes. But I don't have to tell you that because you're you're already here. You're different. You understand that it takes commitment and responsibility, but you know that it is so worth it. Imagine the look on your doctor's face when you go back into the office looking great feeling fantastic. They check your labs. They wonder what the hell you did. They just assume it was the medication they gave you and pat themselves on the back. And they think, oh, it must be the endless moral support. Not. (laughs) No, it's going to be about what you did because you got to the root of things. You learned about what an autoimmune disease is, what really causes it, and what you can do about it. So on that note, let's not waste any more time Let's dive into all things autoimmune and get ready to know more than most doctors do about this subject by the end of the interview. I can't wait for you to meet Dr. Park. You are going to absolutely love and adore her. She has amazing energy. And of course, we're just going to learn so much today. So without further ado, let's jump into that interview. All right. I am sitting literally inches from my dear friend. Dr. Emily Park. We are enjoying a nice hot tea because it's Arizona and it's 103 degrees out and that's what we do.
1: Why not? That's what we do.
0: Hi, We are recording this episode together and we are doing some videos so we are having fun here today but today we are going to talk all about autoimmune disease and we are going to answer some of what I've found to be women's most pressing questions that they just need to get some straight talk, some straight answers with. So Dr. Park's going to, I I did a little intro for her, but she's going to kind of say hi and tell us a little bit about what she does because she practices functional medicine and just give us a little intro about how
1: what she does and how that kind of autoimmune disease plays into her practice so. yeah awesome so yeah so I'm dr. Emily Park and I'm the you know owner and founder of Arizona wellness medicine which is a functional medicine practice here in Arizona and uh, I actually came from complete traditional training um, and so I did medical school internship residency all on the traditional side um, then got trained and certified in functional medicine and functional medicine is all about finding and treating the root causes of whatever signs and symptoms are going on it's getting to the bottom of it, it's really the deep detective work, finding out the why or more commonly whys, plural, um, meaning figuring out all of the root causes that triggered your symptom or disease process to come on in the first place. And in the case of autoimmune disease, that's especially true and really, really crucial because if you never figure out what the triggers are you'll never truly heal. You may you know, be prescribed a traditional medication or you know, even supplements and things like that. They can just be Band-Aids until you really figure out what all your root causes are and reverse those. That's your best hope of treatment with an autoimmune disease. Um, and functional medicine is great for autoimmune diseases. So besides the advanced laboratory testing, um, there's also um, you know, obviously big roots in lifestyle. So this is, we get really specific with nutrition, sleep, exercise and movement, stress management and toxin reduction. Those are the foundations to health, right? So you know, Talia, like if yes. we don't have those in a good place, we can't expect our health to be in a good place, but they're especially important for, you know, someone with an autoimmune disease.
0: And I think this is really helpful because a lot of women by the time they come to me, they've maybe been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, maybe they haven't, maybe they have some thyroid issues nobody's told them that they've got an autoimmune component, but maybe they've looked into it and think, maybe I do have this, or they know they have an autoimmune disease, but they go to their doctor and their doctor just says, well, you've got this disease and there's really either, there's just not much we can do about it or you've got to take this prescription drug for the rest of your life. And women come to me a lot and they get frustrated because they ask their provider, you know, is there anything that I can do to make a difference? And a lot of times they're met with resistance. And again, I always kind of put this out there that it's not necessarily that their provider is being malicious or has bad intentions or anything like that. They just may not know themselves. And so women have this intuition that I always encourage you to And I'm speaking in this case about women because that's my audience, but have this intuition that there's something deeper going on that they do have control over and that they can make a difference. And we're gonna kind of dive in that today. So I'm I'm really, really excited. I think we should kind of get to the nitty-gritty and talk about just basic stuff because we throw around this term autoimmune disease, but I think sometimes people don't really have a grasp of exactly what an autoimmune disease is. So Tell me a little bit about what your
1: definition of an autoimmune disease is. Yeah. So, you know, generally an autoimmune disease means that your own body, your own body's immune system, to be super specific, is attacking a part of your body. And depending on which autoimmune disease you have will depend on what part is being attacked. So I'll give you some examples um, that a lot of people will know about. So celiac disease, right, is a perfect example. So celiac disease is an autoimmune disease of the small intestines that's triggered by eating gluten. Now you do have to have a genetic predisposition in order for it to get turned on, which I know we're going to get into in a minute. Um, But uh, so that is an autoimmune disease, meaning that the small intestines um, are being attacked by the the body. And so the small intestines are kind of being destroyed. And specifically the, the microvilli, the little fingers that are in the small intestine, um, look like this normally, uh, but when you eat gluten and you have the celiac uh, gene, and it, what happens is it gets really, really swollen and so then all the little villi kind of close up and then the surface area for absorption of food nutrients and whatnot gets you know, significantly decreased. So in the case of celiac disease, it's your you know body attacking the small intestine. So then there's of course one of the other ones that's really common in women especially is uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And that is um, obviously an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. Again, there are autoantibodies, meaning your body's own immune system is creating an attack against the thyroid gland itself. And there's two antibodies, you know, that we can check for. There's, you know, thyroglobulin antibodies and uh, thyroperoxidase antibodies. So basically, so those are kind of a couple of, of really common examples. There's many more autoimmune diseases which we can talk about. But it's, you know, the body is attacking a specific part um, of the uh, either a gland, an organ, or a specific type of cell. Like in the case of multiple sclerosis, it's not really an organ per se that's being attacked. It's the, you know, what happens is the myelin sheath, the smooth coatings that go over the, the um, nerves um, that line like the nerve cells actually get destroyed. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an organ per se, but something in the body, a cell, um, a nerve, um, a, an organ system is being destroyed or eaten really by your own body. Right. And I think that's important
0: for people to understand is that, you know, we get really frustrated with autoimmune conditions, and but these are the same mechanisms or the, the way that your body works to actually protect you against so many things i mean we're assaulted every day by invaders and we don't even know it because we are so good at defending them and it's just where this this kind of journey goes a little awry and so it gets there's a little confusion there and it starts attacking these parts of our body too so yeah and we talk about i've even done episodes on like anti-sperm antibodies and all these different things. So it can infect any part of the body. So um, that brings us, we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but what causes autoimmune diseases? This is a very common question. Like what caused
1: this to happen? Why did I develop Hashimoto's thyroiditis? Why do I have lupus? Right. Exactly. So, um, of course, there's, there's a couple of key components here, and one is you have to have the genetic predisposition. Now, for some autoimmune diseases, there's an actual gene. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a celiac gene that's HLA-DQ8, HLA-DQ2. There's a specific gene that we know of, but there's not a specific gene for every single autoimmune disease. Like for Hashimoto's thyroiditis, there's not a specific gene. Does it run in families? Yes, it does. So there's a genetic predisposition, but there's not a specific gene we can do in a blood test, let's say, and say, oh, you have this this gene, watch out, you might get Hashimoto's, right? So you have to have a genetic predisposition. Then you have to have a trigger or triggers more commonly, meaning uh, multiple things that trigger, turn on the autoimmune disease. And one of the key things, uh, that we know about autoimmune diseases is that, um, uh, most of the time the trigger actually has to do with or lies within the gut, right? Because about 80% of the immune system is located inside the gut. So these are where, you know, disturbances in the microbiome. So not having enough good gut bacteria or, you know, having a chronic infection that you don't know about that's going on inside the gut, outside of the gut as well. But, um, you know, or you don't have, um, you don't have enough nutrients to supply there, the this lining of the small intestine. So what happens is you end up with this, you know, kind of chronic inflammation for some reason. And we'll talk. We can talk more about the reasons in a minute. Um, But what happens is the lining of the, you know, of the intestines gets, you know, inflamed. And then what happens is it gets leaky. So instead of the cells lining up, like locking into place, lining up and not letting anything through, what happens is the junctions, they're called tight junctions in the small intestine, the cells kind of start to loosen up a little bit. So what that means is that things that normally don't seep, through the intestinal lining into the bloodstream are getting into the bloodstream. And so what happens, you know, our immune system, just like Talia said earlier, like it's set up to help us defend against invaders, right? So when we get exposed to, you know, an infection, our our immune system kind of, you know, pumps up and, and fights it and creates antibodies against it. But what happens when you know? Let's say when you're you know eating you know gluten or soy or eggs or you know any anything that uh, you know the, the your body's immune system is not used to seeing. Now all of a sudden a protein. Comes through that your immune system is not used to you know uh, uh, dealing with, and it goes, ooh, that's a foreign invader, and it will kind of create an immune system response, and that's how food sensitivities happen. But that phenomenon can also happen with other chronic infections that are uh, located or stem inside the gut as well. So you have to have the genetic predisposition, and then there has to be. One or more, more commonly, more than just one trigger, but you know, uh, things going on inside the gut, chronic infections, um, or you know, overgrowths or undergrowths are really, really common. Food sensitivities are really common too, toxins toxins, right? And so that we didn't talk about that yet. That's like a whole ball of wax. But um, yeah, so heavy metals, environmental toxins, you know, mold toxins. Um, And then are there nutrient deficiencies? Because the nutrient deficiencies, um, you know, like I was mentioning, not only, you know, supply uh, things for the lining of the gut, but for your whole entire body. And and a great example of that is vitamin D, right? So vitamin D um, is crucial for the immune system. And there's very very well published studies on uh, low vitamin D uh, contributing to autoimmune disease. There's great studies for years on MS with this phenomenon specifically. So um, there's multiple contributing factors that can lead to an autoimmune disease getting turned on, and stresses. Like let's not forget about stresses. <laughs> we can't. Of
0: course, stress always comes in there somewhere. It does
1: it does, and so you can't can't ignore it too and that's why like you know in a good functional medicine um visit you know every single one of my visits we, we review what's going on with stress in life and what are you doing for stress management and that's why I ask for a daily relaxation practice because I have seen stress by itself True. with no right with no other with no other factors changing you know trigger an autoimmune flare so, right, and you know, really I always hard. talk
0: about too how stress can be lots of different stress. So you can have emotional stress, you can have physical stress, so you could have the stress of potential, you know, pregnancy along with other shifts mm-hmm. that happen with pregnancy yep. and that can kind of trigger things too. So, I think the things to remember are that you know, and we kind of talk about the subject of epigenetics or the fact that we're we have these genes and that, but they're they're just kind of sitting there, right? They're like a blueprint, but somebody has to interpret them. And so they can be turned on, they can be turned off. So you've got this blueprint, but it doesn't mean you have a house that's built, right? So with the genes, we've got this genetic predisposition, but there's usually something that needs to come on and, and tell the body, okay, we need to turn these things on or turn them off. And that can be that genetic trigger. Then we've got the leaky gut, Where we no longer have, you know, because we are kind of assaulted from the outside through our skin or through our nose or that kind of thing. And then we have our mouth, from our mouth to our tushy. That's how we can be exposed to a bunch of other things, too. So if that is not a nice, tightly sealed system, we have leakiness, we have inflammation, then that allows things to come into the body we're not normally used to. And then we put on top of that other triggers like toxins, infections, nutrient deficiencies, stress, all those different things. So you really have to have these kind of it's like a perfect storm. Yep, absolutely. And so sometimes you may not know. I mean, you may be able to identify okay, well you had Epstein-Barr virus or something like that. You had some sort of identifiable thing, but it was probably a bunch of things working in concert that put us at risk. Yes. Um so that's kind of what we talked about, you know, you touched on this before if you know, a family member had an autoimmune disease, does that mean I'm at increased risk for an autoimmune disease? Are they, it, can we inherit them? Can you talk a
1: bit more yeah. just about that? Yeah, so some autoimmune diseases we know are very much inherited. Um, like, you know, the example of celiac disease, right? There's, you know, two main celiac genes that we know of, um, HLA-DQ8 and HLA-DQ2. So those are, you can, you know, test for those in blood work very easily. So if you have a family member that was diagnosed with celiac disease, you can get yourself um, and you know, your other family members test it. So then you would know you have the gene. So having the gene and having the disease, two different things, like Talia right. said, that's, we're talking about epigenetics. So they're, just because you have the gene doesn't mean you're necessarily gonna get the disease But how I look at it in functional medicine, I know you practice the same way, Talia, is is if you know you have uh, a gene, a predisposition for the disease, aren't you going to try to do everything you can to prevent that from flipping on? So in the case of celiac, it would be like, okay, I know I have a celiac gene. I feel fine right now. I don't have any stomach symptoms. I don't have any diarrhea. Like, I feel fine. Cool. Cool. Probably want to avoid gluten on a regular right. basis because you don't know when you might get hit with an infection or with a big stress or you know a million other things could be the last straw that breaks the camel's right. back that does turn on the autoimmune disease right right um, but then okay so there that's one uh, that's one example of of uh, an autoimmune disease that has a very clear you know gene um, there are some other genetics um, involved with uh, lots of other autoimmune diseases but there are uh, good number of them um, that we don't, you know, we don't know all the genes or we don't have even any genes. Like MS, there's not, to to, to date, there's not a multiple sclerosis gene, right? Um, But there are, for example, for some things like, you know, ulcerative colitis, like there are some genes that can, you know, predispose you to it right? Um, and to, and to, that you might want to check for if you have it in your family. So if you have a family member with an autoimmune disease, you know you want to maybe bring that up with your doctor. Um, even your traditional you know primary care doctor should be able to run you know genetic testing for you for whatever disease that runs in your family. So that way you would know as the patient if that's a, if, you know, you even carry the gene or not. Um, and I always say knowledge is power because some, some people look at it the opposite. They're like, well, I don't want to know if I'm yeah. going to get this disease. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I look at it like cool opportunity to yeah. not get this disease. It's like if somebody <laughs> said,
0: okay, in three years and two days, your appendix is going to rupture. And so you're like, okay, I'm on top of this. Like I right. know this, is, right? Like, I mean, that I do, I agree with you. I mean, a lot of times people get down. I think they see it like, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. I'm going to have X, Y, Z, but it, it's, I think it all comes down to, though, if you're educated about what you can do to put yourself in the best place possible to keep that. So it, same thing yes. with Hashimoto's. I mean, if your sister has Hashimoto's thyroiditis or if your mother had it or has it, I mean you could easily that is something that could possibly happen for you and but there's so much you can do and so much power you have to decrease the likelihood of that happening
1: Yes so and there's also so there's you know testing for the genes but then there's also you know doing blood tests for the antibodies because there's some right. data out there that kind of says that um, yes. in many cases you'll start to see and I see it all the time Absolutely. in my practice or you, because I test for these things more than your traditional doctor would test for them, um, that you'll start to see antibodies in the blood before you really get significant symptoms or any symptoms of the disease, and I see it a lot. Hashimoto's is a Absolutely. great example. So if someone can have completely normal thyroid function, and this can happen for, for years—five years, years, ten years—even mm-hmm. they're they're thinking. Um, so if I and I you know have caught several patients like this in the practice when I see it, I'm like, "Ooh, hey, your thyroid function is great right now. Perfect TSH, right. free T3, free T4, reverse T3. Everything's looking great. But you have these thyroid antibodies. They're at low levels, but." Let's figure out what, what the triggers were, and let's see if we can't reverse those thyroid antibodies. Because if you check, if you um, check regularly, and uh, you'll you'll find more. Um, you're likely to find more autoimmune disease, and be able to prevent it in someone that maybe doesn't have those exact symptoms. They usually have something. There's a reason why you're testing, right? There's right. a reason why people are coming to see us. You know what I mean? like right. we're
0: So you could be even symptomatic, slightly symptomatic, but have normal normal function yes. of whatever that gland is. Right. Um, right, So in this case, the thyroid gland, I mean, it's such a common one. I think it's a good one to use as an example. But yeah. you could maybe be a bit symptomatic, maybe with fatigue, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's because your thyroid is, is getting attacked. So it's got these antibodies that it, the body is producing against the thyroid, but it's able to keep up. Yes. Okay. So it hasn't done enough damage that it's Correct. really... Compromised, how well that part of the body can keep up, and it's going to do its best for for a while. Right. This is the the issue with just checking just a TSH or right. TSH and T4. Yes. Um, And so that's why I tell everybody, like, there's no option. You have to check the thyroid antibodies. We've got to keep an eye on those. And so I agree with you. I think so. I I like this because sometimes people, like I said, they feel either doomed because they have other family members or they feel like they're kind of backed into a corner. Like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, but there is if you find the right people to work with.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. Like a lot of the traditional um, and again, like you said, it's not um, and and again I both you and I were traditionally trained train, train. by the way. <laughs> so um we, we now broke but traditionally yeah, yeah. trained. And you know, so we get these issues uh, very well. And and I have to tell people all the time, um, you know, don't get upset or mad at your doctor. They, they, I didn't know this stuff before. And you didn't know this stuff before we sought out, you know, extra training and education in integrative and functional medicine. And so the, the traditional doctors will say, Oh, check your TSH with a reflex T4. If everything's fine, you're fine. Um, or, you know, or if you go to, even if you, you know, take it to the next degree, let's say, you know, you have, let's use Hashimoto's again, you know, you go to the uh, traditional endocrinologist and, you know, until your thyroid function actually starts to fail, um, they're going to say, we don't have anything for you. And in our world, it's like, well, hold on, let's figure out what all the triggers are. How did this autoimmune disease get turned on? Let's see if we can either turn it off, meaning either reverse it or at least get the antibodies down as low as possible. And I think that's a
0: great point, is that if you can identify an autoimmune disease in the early stages, your chances of reversing it, and, or at least keeping it really well controlled, are much better. Yes. Because after a certain amount of damage has been done, Correct. there's, there's a point where you can't reverse it. Okay, yes. so the tissue damage can be, and I'm not saying that to be down, but that's what's so empowering about this and about teaching people. And so, even if you're a mom and you have a daughter or something like that, but now you know better, right? So um, we know better, we do better. Yep. And but that's where the power is. It's in that kind of silent early phases,
1: exactly. So to use another example of an autoimmune disease, so you know, let's talk about rheumatoid arthritis, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone comes to me and they've had 20 years of rheumatoid arthritis and they've got you know joint deformities, you know, can we undo those joint deformities? Not really, because as Talia mentioned, the destruction has already been done. The damage has already been done. But in that same person, it doesn't mean we have nothing for you. Can we get you feeling better? Absolutely. Yes. And can we maybe stop the disease progression. progression? Exactly. But... You know, it's the same thing with the thyroid. Like I, you can't grow a new thyroid gland at at this point, (laughs) yet, right? Um, (laughs) Bionic thyroid, exactly. Yeah. So you, you know, if your if your Hashimoto's has been going on so long that you've destroyed most of your thyroid gland. Yes, you are going to need thyroid medication. There's nothing we can do to replace the gland. But again, getting the antibodies to come down will surely make you feel better because the circulating antibodies of any kind, and this is true of any autoimmune disease. So everyone thinks of like, you know, rheumatoid arthritis is just the joints and, you know, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis is, you know, just in the GI tract. Well, you know, Hashimoto's is just the thyroid. But the circulating antibodies create symptoms literally from head to toe for all of those diseases. And that's why you could potentially have joint pain just from having Hashimoto's or something like that. Exactly.
0: About 20% of Hashimoto's patients have musculoskeletal complaints. Exactly. Right? And that's why it all makes sense. And that's one just as a side note because I'm thinking about this. That's why when I work with people, I say, tell me anything that's going on that you could think of, even if your left pinky toe hurts. Because even if you think that it doesn't make a difference or it's not related, it may make a difference. It may jump out to me. And we might even find a reason for it. Right? Your left pinky toe hurts because... You've got these antibodies depositing in the joint. Who knows, right? Right. So um, another question I get asked a lot is why do or why does it seem like that, you know, you get one autoimmune disease and then there's other ones or they... People often use this term, like they run in packs. Yes. So is this true, and why does it happen?
1: Yes, yeah. So there is some truth to that. Uh, you know, does it does does it mean that um, everybody with one autoimmune disease is eventually going to get you know three or four of them? No. Um, but there is a phenomenon where you know uh, you know once because if you think about it logically, some of them, like we mentioned, actually have genes. So what if you had a celiac gene? Um, and you know, your mom had history and your, you know, sister and your aunt or whatever had a history of Hashimoto. So there's, you know, kind of two things in there, not the same gene, right? But it to Talia's point earlier that on the epigenetics, you still have to trigger the autoimmune disease, right? And so uh, if you've got predisposition to more than one autoimmune disease, it makes sense that the same triggers are going to flip on possibly more than one autoimmune disease, especially the longer the triggers are kind of left unmanaged, undealt with. And, uh, And that's another point,
0: is that when you've got an autoimmune disease, your immune system is heightened anyway, that leads to more inflammation. It's not a question of if it's there and that could be another trigger. So it's kind of like the self-perpetuating cycle, I think too, that can deplete your nutrients. It can cause issues with, you know, imbalances and hormones. And so I think that's, you know, once, once that kind of perfect storm starts and if it's not taken care of early, then that can just perpetuate that cycle. And so then you can get more than one. Yep. Perfect. Um, So we talked about, I think we really kind of touched in, uh, you know, some of the triggers. So we talked about how it could be, you know, we have this leaky gut, we've got inflammation, nutrient deficiencies, toxins, infections. Um, But so I think that kind of touches on this point that I get asked a lot as well. And this is sometimes more from people who are a little bit more hesitant about, you know, what's going on in the world. But people will say, well, why does it seem like everybody's got an autoimmune issue or like Mm -hmm. everybody's got Hashimoto's now? It's everybody and their mom. Oh, you're tired? It's because you got Hashimoto's. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because you haven't slept in 24 hours. No, but
1: that's another big trigger, by the way. We didn't talk about that too much, but that's a huge stress on the body not getting enough good quality sleep. Sorry. No,
0: but a lot of people come. I mean, you know, if they're more skeptical about, you know, a a unique approach to healthcare or to wellness, and they'll say, "Well, everybody seems like they've got thyroid issues now,"
1: which is actually true. Yeah, yeah. So Synthroid is historically every year in the top four prescriptions um, written in the United States, and Synthroid is the top medication that's prescribed by traditional doctors for thyroid medication. So, yeah, that's that's true. Um, And yeah, the autoimmune disease rates are clearly on the rise. Um, and you know, there's just some staggering statistics about that. So it's more and more common. So to tell you it's your question, like why, right? And if you think about it now, um, aren't we in kind of like a really toxic, we live in a really toxic world um, and not just toxins like you know chemicals and and metals things like that but you know uh you know electromagnetic frequencies right so we're exposed to now we're doing a giant experiment by the way like a lot of the you know scientists kind of say this where it's like we we don't we haven't really studied the effects of all these wi-fi signals and electromagnetic frequencies that are out there on on our bodies but you know so we're exposed to that we're exposed to you know chemicals and toxins on an d- exponential level now right and there's um you know and and uh, are the government especially keeps you know, I think allowing in substances that have not been you know really tested or substances that have been like a, a new chemical spin on a substance that was tested to be toxic. That
0: are tested and known to be toxic,
1: but lobby heavily in, in exactly yes, so there's a whole like Roundup, yes, yeah, like if like, Roundup or glyphosate is one of them, right? And so that's why it's important to eat organic. Um, but uh, aside from that, even all the chemicals, so just our toxic load, and these are things you don't even know you're being exposed to through foods, through your water. Um, you know, everyone thinks of chemicals as something that has to, you know, smell like really like strong. Like lead, lead, you know, manufactured, yeah, like heavy a cool metals, plant. Yes, yeah, or heavy metal. Like, But a lot of these things you don't even know you know, you're being exposed. And so I think there's a, a, an increase in our toxic load. Um, I think that, you know, as a society, we're, we're really pretty sleep deprived um, and that gets, sleep gets blown off and it seems to be some badge of honor, you know, how right busy we are, all are, and how, you know, I only got four hours of sleep, and I'm still working my 12-hour day, that kind of thing. We're, but not getting enough good quality sleep is a huge stress on the body. So I think there's toxins. I think there's, you know, stresses. And that's, like I said, mental, emotional stress, physical stress. Physical stress, by the way, can be Working out too much, or it can actually be on the opposite end, sitting on your butt too much. Um, the bookends uh, tend to not be great. Um, but you know, uh, and then the poor nutrition, that state that America is in, right? We have the highest obesity rates, the highest, you know, type two diabetes rates, um, chronic diseases on the rise. It just is. And so, if you think about. All the things that keep us healthy, the foundations to health, nutrition, sleep, exercise and movement, stress management, toxin reduction, you know, our, our Western society that we're living in right now, we we do a bad job with all of those, typically, unless, you know, you're taking control of your health.
0: And I think something people don't realize is that we, we it's almost that we can't adapt quickly enough. So our bodies can not ad- you know adapt to things over time but things are are changing so rapidly so even if you looked at what your great grandparents ate versus what we and that's not that long ago right you're going to see a huge difference totally and what they ate how the the food was prepared how fresh it was how it was farmed were there you know what did they use to fertilize the soil like, Yeah. All those different things, I mean, yep. and so I, I run across a lot of resistance on this because, for example, some people know that my daughter has a lot of food allergies, and food allergies are on the rise, like, tremendously. Oh, yeah. For the same, like we were talking about, same kind of principles happening here. So people will ask me all the time, like, oh, my gosh, just 20 years ago, nobody had a peanut allergy, or it was, like, the random kid that had the peanut allergy in school, and now everybody's got a peanut allergy, and some people look at that as like, oh, it's this, you know, people are just crazy. They're super sensitive, but it's not. Like, so From for my family, it's a life-threatening thing. And so it's a long conversation to get into, but I think a lot of it has to do with all these, again, it's that perfect storm of all these different things. The it's impossible to say that it's just one thing or another, but when you've got these toxins, when we're killing off the good bacteria in our gut and allowing the bacteria that tends to be more detrimental to our health, because there's always kind of a balance of certain things. Um, When we've got these toxins in our lives, and that goes down to everything from what we brush our teeth with, you know, what lotion we put on our skin, all these different things, then we are really of assaulting our body with a lot of things that were never there before. Right. Um, so that's my opinion, too, of why it seems like, and it's not just it seems like, I mean, this isn't in people's heads. If we go in and we check your blood and you've got antibodies to your thyroid, that's not in your head. You know, that's an autoimmune issue going on there. So this is not just made up. This isn't just, you know, um, the news coming, fake news.
1: Right, 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 yeah, 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 it's data-driven, absolutely. So, I think
0: it's easy. So, if we know again, if we've talked a lot about, about these triggers, right? So, we can have this genetic predisposition. We could have an act, you know, just a predisposition. We could have an actual gene. We could have this leaky gut. We could have these triggers. That brings us, I think, to then how are we empowered? If we've got increased risk for an autoimmune disease or if we actually have an autoimmune disease, what are some key things that you talk to your patients about as far as what they can do to decrease their risk? or to
1: manage their disease or put it into remission so on so Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, about 80% of that is really the are the lifestyle factors that we've talked about. And so, you know, I would say, you know, nutritionally, like the biggest thing you can you can do for yourself is to eat real Food, like eat real food, decrease processed and packaged food, decrease your sugar intake. Um, now, you know, obviously you want to eat organic when you can, and you know, on your proteins, you want to make sure they're well sourced. You know, if you eat beef, fine, organic grass fed beef, salmon, wild caught, and so on, um, and definitely organic produce, as I mentioned, um, when you can. But um, there's also, you know, you also want to test to see if you've got any food triggers, right, on the, on the nutrition thing. So that's why I actually will put people through, you know, a 30-day um, reset to help you figure out what your food sensitivities are. So, and we know that a couple of triggers that are really common for autoimmune disease, gluten and dairy are just the top two triggers, but it could be other grains too. Um, It could be soy. It could could be the legume family. It could be other things that, you know, like eggs and the nut family. There's a lot of different... Um, you know potential food sensitivities And remember this is not a necessarily like an overt like I eat something
0: and I my throat's swelling and all that stuff. So right. your only manifestation may be your autoimmune disease. Now, there's yes. probably others that maybe you're not connecting the dots,
1: mm-hmm. but maybe you've got some eczema. Yes. So this is a great point because Food allergies, so allergies are IgE. So that's the body's immediate immune system response to something. So yeah, that's body, That's right. like that's like what happens to your family if they eat nuts, right? right. You're going to right away, you're going to go, oh, um, you know, you're going to have hives or you're going to have your throat's going to, you know, swell closed. Something profound's going to happen pretty shortly after you are, are exposed to it. But the majority of issues with foods are more like sensitivities. So the sensitivities are can be delayed. And so this is where it can take anywhere, it can take up to three days, three to four days, for the immune system to create a response after it's seen the item. And so if you eat, let's use peanuts, right? So if you eat peanut butter and you feel, you might feel fine initially, you may feel fine the next day. You may feel fine the day after that might be on day three where you're like, Oh, and you might get any symptom from head to toe. You could get a headache, right? You could get muscle aches, joint pains. You could have Stuffy energy nose. levels. You get nasal congestion. You could, yes. So that's why, you know, it's one of the key things that um, I do for, my patients is I help them get through a 30-day reset. And I use paleo um, nutrition because it does automatically take out the top triggers. And if you have an autoimmune disease, I would actually recommend doing a paleo autoimmune protocol because it takes out extra things that are known to be immune system triggers for autoimmune disease specifically. Um, and so you go through that process a minimum of 30 days. And 30 days is key. And that, there's a reason why everyone says 30 days, right? It's because it takes your body's immune system 23 days to calm down by only half. That's the half-life of the immunoglobulins. Um, the antibody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so uh, it, at the end because of because the- so, so when we make those,
0: they're little proteins, right? Yep. So we make those antibodies and they stick around for a while and they do their job. And then they slowly st- so get broken down. So the body's going to break those down. So that's what yes. we mean by that half-life. So yes. the body's like, okay... You know, send out the troops and the troops go out So you get all your antibodies. And it's like, okay, we saw the, we. so say you're doing the, the elimination or you're doing this 30 days. So right before you ate something that triggered this response and then it's like, okay, we sent the troops out. Now we can relax and slowly they're like, okay, we haven't seen anything in a while, right? So we haven't seen it. We don't need more troops out. And so we start slowly getting rid of the troops until they yes. finally go. So that's just an idea of thinking about those antibodies and how your body's going to break them down and slowly then get rid of them.
1: Yeah, totally. No, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for breaking that down for, yes, for non-doctory people. Sometimes we get together, we <laughs> get people like, just, and it's just crazy. Yes, yeah. no, totally. Um, so yeah, so Talia is right. So it takes, so it takes your body's immune system, you know, at least 23 days to calm down by half is kind of the, the, in a nutshell. And um, so 30 days gets you well past the halfway point to where at the end of at least 30 days, and for some people, um, it takes more than 30 days. It may be 60 days or 90 days to really get you to a point where you feel good because everyone's immune system set up a little bit differently. Uh, but 30 days would be a minimum. Um, and then let's say at the end of the 30 days, you, you want to you wanna figure out, oh, I want to find out, you know, can I, I have, have eggs? Yeah. Or do eggs cause me an issue? Is it a trigger for me? Cool. You add eggs back in the diet, one serving, three times a day, three days in a row, the only new thing. That you're showing your body and then you track how you feel and you have to take a scan from head to toe because if it's gi if it's gut beautiful because like we all connect that with right, food, right you but, start getting bloated you just start getting yeah diarrhea constipation right. and all this. something it will happen it, it but it, it could not just be the gi track like we mentioned right it could be anything from head to toe
0: and you will get more i think people will become more in tune Because sometimes we get used to living with all these different things going on. And even when they go away, we're not as aware of it. But when they come back, so for example, for me, Mm, I do have a sensitivity to wheat And or to gluten and non gluten wheat. Um, I never knew it. I did blood testing. But I now that I know if I do get something that, you know, there's some wheat and something I will get, like I said, like stuffiness in my nose. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing I was aware of before until I started to do this. So you really start to really um, develop a good communication with your body. Uh, and I think it really grows your confidence too, because you're like, you really get to know yourself and you, it's like, you should be proud of that. Like I'm listening to everything yeah. that you're talking to me about.
1: Because no matter what any blood test says, your body is still, you know, Number I tell people one. all the time, yeah, your body, and you're we all. it's a giant biochemistry experiment here. I say that all the time because there, you know, no matter what the blood tests say, and by the way, there's not one blood test that looks at every part of the immune system's response. So your body is still the gold standard. Um, but yeah, and so so walking throughs to answer your question. So that was the nutrition piece, right? Right. right. Um, so nutrition, right? So uh, that's what you would do. Um, getting enough good quality sleep, as we mentioned, because not getting enough good quality sleep is a huge stress on the body that can have a waterfall effect on you know the gut, the adrenals, the thyroid, and the sex hormones. And so you definitely want to make sure you're getting enough good quality sleep. Um, not uh, you know uh, you want to make sure you're getting enough uh, good quality exercise and movement. In. And as I mentioned, you can go too much on that and you can underdo it as well. So getting enough movement in. Um, and then of course the stress management part, and that's a big ball of wax to tackle. Um, but one of the, one of ways, easy ways I have my patients start is by, you know, starting a meditation practice, even just for five or 10 minutes before you go to bed, keep it simple, make it doable. You can do it any time of day. If it's first thing in the morning that works for you, great. You know, yes, if you traditional meditation wants you to do it first thing in the morning, but, um, I say you do it when you're actually going to do it instead of like, Oh, I didn't wake up at 5am. I can't do my meditation. You know, you want to,
0: and I'm going to be doing a whole, um,
1: a whole highlight on meditation
0: because it is so powerful. But even I feel like I struggle with meditation. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to put that out there because I think people like, and we always go to meditation because it's so profound, the effects of meditation. Oh, if yeah. done properly, the effects that it has on your health are profound. But so many of us feel like, they can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have time for it, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't have to be just meditation. I think like swimming, swimming sometimes is very relaxing or just flo- actually studies show any... moving
1: meditation. Yes, right. okay. Or We're even floating,
0: water, yeah. any being in water in any way, shape or form actually is very um, relaxing See. to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whatever it is for you, you to like, just turn down the calmate, calmate yes. a little bit. Yes. But that is a hard, I think that's going to be, for most people, one of the hardest things.
1: Yep, yep, exactly. So, and then, of course, you know, the toxin reduction part that we talked about already. Um, And so that's where you're going to look, take a good look at your personal care products and your household items and, you know, uh, do everything you can to decrease your total toxic load. Because at the end of the day, the triggers for autoimmune disease, there's one, you know, it's one medical term called total allostatic load. And so that's the total load of every single um, stress on the body, which includes all the things we talked about, chronic infections, nutrient deficiencies, you know, not moving enough, moving to, you know, doing too much exercise, not getting enough good quality sleep. All of those things will add up to a, you know toxin exposure, the big load on the body. And then and then if your body's overstressed, you're gonna activate like, the sympathetic nervous system. Right, that cup just and overflows fight and
0: yeah. I love it. So that I have two more questions. One is then and we I think we touched on this a little bit but can autoimmune diseases be cured
1: if we use that word cured? Yes. Um, I don't use the word cured um, only because if you think about it logically based on everything we've said so far, if you do, if you put yourself back in the exact situation that turned on the autoimmune disease, it will surely come back, right? So if you know that Gluten's a trigger, and that you had, you know, a, a lead exposure overload, and you had a chronic infection, and all those things. If we if, have if treated those, and your autoimmune disease is reversed, meaning we can't see antibodies. Um, anymore in your blood or the antibodies have come down if you do those you know if you eat, if you ate you know gluten again on a regular basis you might re-trigger that for example or if you had you know if you unfortunately got hit with you know an infection of some kind you know that could trigger your autoimmune disease if you had a huge stress in your body or your life that can trigger an autoimmune disease to come back so i like to say reversed as in it's reversible because i'm very clear with people if you go back to doing you know if we recreate the situation that turned it on, it's going to turn it on again. So you can't really, you can really not stay cured. But I like the idea of it being reversed.
0: Yes. And remember that does, you know, not for everything can we, like I said, if there's been extensive tissue damage where the body has dis, you know destroyed too many of the cells at this point, you're not going to get those back. Um, so again, the importance of addressing it early on and catching it early on if we can, but we can halt progression we can manage symptoms really, really well. And in some cases we can reverse it. Yes, so, I that's love it. exactly right. So you recently went to a functional medicine conference. Mm-hmm. I venture to say the biggest one that there is. Yep. And um, there's always you know new and exciting things. So I just wanted to end with some of the the like new and exciting things as far as management of autoimmune disease. Yeah, cool.
1: Yeah. Um, so- this is how we geek out. <laughs> this is how we roll. Right. We talk, we like text each other. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah no seriously we both have issues um but I uh, yeah so I've been to four conferences already this year that's part of functional medicine we have to just have nose to the ground and have to stay really current so in uh, May of this year was the Institute for functional medicines annual conference and it was all on autoimmune disease this year so it was awesome wow. um, it was so good and it was great to get updates on um, things that uh, you know have been some of the things that actually have been around for a little while but there was more research to support it and um, you know but there's Always, you know, there's some pioneer practitioners that have been doing things, you know, on their own that know mm-hmm. that work outside but the now, box. Outside mm-hmm. the box, but now there's, you know, research, you know, to support, hey, and this, this actually works. It's not just this, you know, these ten doctors doing this. It's, mm-hmm. it, there's actual studies. Um, so a couple things that, um, and there are so many things. Uh, we definitely won't have time to talk about them all. But two things I want to mention. One is the use of low dose naltrexone, and we've known this for years. And I've actually been using um, LDN in my patients for a couple years now. And uh, low dose naltrexone. Um, is super supportive of the immune system. And there's really good data on autoimmune diseases, cancers, and even some other you know, chronic illnesses too. And um, it's a pretty benign medication. It is a medication. It is a prescription. One of the very,
0: very few medications I
1: recommend. Yep, exactly. Yep. It needs to be compounded specially um, at a pharmacy. And so naltrexone, what it is, is it uh, traditionally, um, it's in a category of what are considered opioid antagonists. What the heck does that mean? That mm-hmm. means it's, it's usually used to reverse the effects of an opioid, like a morphine-like compound, right? Um, and so in the hospital, if you had a, a, an overdose of morphine, let's say, um, they would you know, give you a medication like, um, like naltrexone, it would actually give you something else called naloxone um, or Narcan, uh, but it's same same family to reverse the effects high of doses. opioids. High doses of it, right? So what the, they've been studying the, over the past decade or two now um, is that low doses of naltrexone um, actually are, have been uh, shown to help support the immune system, and so then uh, some really small doses. Like I will start with you know, 0.5 milligrams, one milligram, um, and work up from there to a total of four milligrams a day. But I will say this, it's not like other medications where, you know, next, the, the next week you're going to be like, Oh, I feel amazing. It's, it's kind of the slow and steady wins the race there and it's the long game with it. But what you'll notice over time is that, you know, there'll be symptom reduction or, you know, I'll see antibodies in the blood mm-hmm. come down. So you'll see laboratory, you know, evidence that, that, The LDN is uh, is doing its job.
0: And basically what it does is it kind of um, tricks, I hate to use that word, but tricks the body to make its own Mm -hmm. opioids. Yep. And we now know that the immune cells have a ton of receptors, so they communicate with this. Those opioids tell the, or endorphins tell the body what to do, and the immune system in particular. Um, And I'm gonna do a whole episode on this because I feel like it's so underused. It's a little complex when we talk about what's happening, but it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so over time, your body's just naturally making more of these. And something to know is that it's actually very hard the not very few things increase these levels in your body mm-hmm. very few things even if we inject them directly into the body right so the half life yeah they, so get, they, life yeah, the, they yeah. just get broken the down degree, degree and degraded really quickly so things. really the body making them itself is the best way to do it and so what you do is you, you temporarily kind of tell the body to make more of these and then they go in and they tell the immune cells like hey whoa 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 you guys are getting crazy over there like that's my <laughs> our thyroid like let's take it easy okay they're on the same team <laughs> and people do great with it. I've used it in infertility patients. I mean, you can use it, and it's it was a little bit out there for a long time. And it's still in it, like for infertility, it's still a little bit on the edge as far as you know the research and stuff like that. But people are providers are using it. So you do need a provider. You need a, a licensed provider to prescribe it. As she said, it's compounded, but I will tell you, it's very inexpensive. inexpensive. Yeah, probably thirty to forty dollars a month. Um, we're here in Arizona. I have a very good friend who's a compounding pharmacist, and that's what he charges. So if you're getting, you know, charged a lot more, than you know, think about it. But um, and the side effect profile is pretty. Pretty low, so that's yeah. a great one.
1: Yep. So Aldian, and the other exciting thing that I we didn't even talk about, I'm going to spring this on you. Yeah. Um, that I that has really exciting good data is something called uh, the fasting mimicking diet. Do you know what FMD? Okay. Okay. No, but I'm really
0: interested in, into fasting right now, Ooh. and intermittent fasting. And yes. Okay. So
1: let's talk. Yes. Yeah. So the uh, so uh, fasting mimicking diet is exactly what it sounds like. So you're not actually fasting, but you're doing something that mimics. Fasting. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a great um, uh, scientist out of USC. Um, his name is Dr. Walter Longo, and he um, he actually has a book out oh, there. Walter, we're Walter, we <laughs> go
0: way back. We go, go back. Way back. Okay,
1: perfect. Um He actually wrote um, a, a, an entire book called "The Longevity Diet." That's actually very accessible to the layperson, um, and, and I actually uh, his. Uh, main laboratory assistant spoke at the Institute for Functional Medicine's annual conference, and uh, it was a great ninety-minute lecture. And after that, I was like, "I, I got to know more." So I actually read the entire book and mm-hmm. like ten I days. I might ask to see if we can get um, them on the podcast. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, so the so the fasting mimicking diet is a hundred percent. Plant based diet, and it's for five days only. And so it's yes, so for five days, and it's- I'm making this face really, really, yes. for those of you who aren't <laughs> seeing the video. The real- <laughs> Yes. And so, um, and there's great data for autoimmune diseases, for cancer. Um, uh, He's also got, you know, data for, of course, you know, obesity, type two diabetes, you know, uh, uh, inflammation, like the CRP marker. Um, But anyway, so, and this is all out again, out of USC by Dr. Walter Longo. And so, um, and what was well, what was very well studied was, doing five days of this fasting mimicking diet. So the calories are dropped um, and it's all plant-based and it's your protein levels are actually very low um, during this time. And then, uh, so what he proved was that if you do blood markers before and you do blood markers after, significant improvement. But what was extra cool was that if you test later, like months later, there was still improvement in the blood markers. Not as big of an improvement as when you very first finished the five days of the FMD, but it was better than when before you did it, and so. For and how how frequently do you do it? Love mm-hmm. it. We are on the same way like there. Yep. Um, so for people that have you know complex chronic diseases, uh, the recommendation is to do one cycle of the fasting mimicking diet. So five days, you do it three months in a row. And then you kind of do it quarterly after that but if you're a pretty relatively healthy person you might do it twice a year or if you're a really healthy person you might go through it you know like once a year um, and so uh, it's, it's a very benign very easy, easy so it's plant-based yes yeah, so Dr. Longo um, actually created a specific product um, called Prolon um, excuse me and it's P-R-O-L-O-N Prolon um, and it's a company by a company called um, which he created, and by the way, all of his proceeds go completely back into his research foundation called CreatesCures.org, another oh. reason that's amazing. Um, but he wanted to make the fasting mimicking diet accessible to everybody, so he created this entire, um, basically, I, I call it a fancy shoe box, because that's kind of what it reminds me mm-hmm. of, it's very beautifully mm-hmm. packaged, yes, um, but it has in there what you're eating, all of your food for the five days, yeah, so there's, um, you know, soups that obviously you reconstitute with hot water. There's some olives in there. There's, you know, some nut-based bars. And, you know, so there's different – there's some, um, uh, uh, like, cracker-type things, like kale crackers and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, so it um, – it's, but it's very specific. And so that product is what's studied in his studies specifically. Um, and so you do that for five days, and it's very simple. Besides you know how much it costs? Besides water, I think – um, and th- I'll link to it. I, I think um I think I want to say it's around like two hundred twenty or two hundred twenty five bucks or something like that Not for the, for the kit. For five, and five someone, days and that's all year. You could needing.
0: even do this could be an interesting experiment because if it's pretty benign, there's the risks are really low, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so people could be checking their levels prior to
1: this, mm-hmm. and then how? So they checked immediately after. And then, of course, months later, I think like six months later on a lot of the studies, and they were looking at, you know, like what happened to, you know, blood sugar and cholesterol and CRP and IGF-1, and they were looking at those markers, and like, and of course, other markers like, you know, weight and waist circumference, and stuff like that, they were looking at as well. So it mimics fasting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it turns on, um, it basically, and there's really good research in cancer too, um, yeah into that another day yeah um, this I'm is gonna, gonna need
0: its own episode yes yeah there's another
1: uh, i'm gonna read the book here's what's gonna happen i'll read it yeah. and then we'll
0: come back and we'll
1: do a whole episode just on that yeah let's do I it i love it but so yeah so it's accessible to you know the it's very accessible to um to, to people if you want to you know go ahead and give the you know fasting mimicking diet a try it's it's pretty low risk you know they they do will go over um if you do get the kit they will go over like what to watch out for because You know, you are, it's a huge change in the diet. So you want to make sure you don't get dehydrated and you want to make sure blood pressure doesn't go too low. And if you're an athlete or something like that. Yeah. Or if you're uh, right, you're going to not do your hard workouts during that time. And, um, you know, if you are on blood pressure medication or on medication for blood sugar, like you definitely need to be supervised, you know, by a physician. Um, But yeah.
0: Oh, I'd love it. Oh, we will come back with more from that. I'm very cool. excited. I'll link to it, though. I'll link to any resources we talk about. Perfect. Oh, I'm so excited. So I just think I want people to, to recognize a couple things. Number one, um, recognize that what risk factors are and how we minimize those. How w- women in particular, because that's what I work with, um, can really have a lot of, uh, control. I think this is a big thing, you know, for, for us, we just need, uh, we feel like sometimes that we're just on this roller coaster and, you know, grasping for anything. We just have no control, but there's a lot we can do with autoimmune diseases and we need to respect them because they can be very, they can be, you, you know, intense, like the consequences can be very severe. Um, but so we need to respect them. But there's so much we can do. And there's a lot on the forefront. Because I think with that, this expanding, I think I said the other time that we talked, it's one like the eighth leading cause of death, death in females. I mean, so this is serious stuff. It impacts everything from, you know, um, fertility to everything in our lives. So I, I love the fact that there's so much we can do to, to really take the reins and take control of our health. And to know that this isn't just like, you know, it's not a death sentence. It's not, you know, you're not just stuck in stone that there's a lot you can do to make some changes there. So I'm thrilled. I love it. Awesome. All right, well, if you happen to live in Arizona or perhaps you live somewhere you know that's cold and snowy, and you want to frequent Arizona because we're really awesome. Now, yes, it's 105 degrees today, and that's okay. The rest of the year, we are super amazing and super awesome. So, if you are here, if you're visiting, if you live here, and if you want to work with, I'm not saying this just because she's next to me right oh, now, she okay. is. but Dr. Park is <laughs> a phenomenal. Not only is she a, a just insanely intelligent woman, a phenomenal functional medicine provider, but she is literally one of the most wonderful, nicest humans I know. Oh, thanks, Talia. you must come here. There are, you know, I work a lot with women, and I, I basically teach them how what they can do without a provider. But there are times, for example, low dose naltrexone or all these different things, where you need somebody, or maybe you're just you're making progress, but you get stuck, and you need another pair of eyes on it. So. Mm-hmm. It is wise to expand your team your you know your health and vitality team. So I will link to her website here and not only does she see patients but she offers her own videos and um, information to people so but if you are in the area you may want to stop on and say hi or thanks, schedule Talia. a little trippy trip <laughs> all you. right well we'll be back for sure we're going to be doing several episodes together so i'm so excited so thanks emily yes dr park you're so
1: welcome love Talia. ya okay. all right
0: until next time sounds great well ladies there you have it I hope that you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Park as much as I did. I truly adore her. She is just such a spitfire. She's brilliant, and she has a way of teaching about all things related to health that just make you feel really empowered, that make you want to take action, and make it feel like it's not something that's unattainable or overwhelming. I mean, these are things that any of us can do to Regain control over our health to reclaim our health. And whether you already have a diagnosis of having an autoimmune disease or more than one autoimmune disease and you're working to stop it in its tracks, you're working to reverse it, or maybe you're somebody who has a family member with an autoimmune disease and you want to make sure that that's not activated, that you don't go down that same path. I feel like today, there's just so many great little pearls and pieces of wisdom and things that you can do to take action now. And of course, I'll be linking up everything that we talked about in today's show in the show notes under episode number 17. And again, as always, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love for you to go into iTunes and hit subscribe or subscribe wherever you listen to these phenomenal podcasts. And Don't forget to leave a review if you find that this podcast is helpful. This is how we share the word. This is how we grow. This is how we actually make an impact. And again, you can also reach out Through anchor and leave me an actual old school, real life voicemail. You can leave me a message. You can let me know what you think. You can leave me questions. I would love to hear your real live voice. So with that, I hope you feel super empowered. I hope you feel inspired to take action. And I hope you feel proud of yourself for knowing more than most doctors do about autoimmune diseases. So that's it for now. I can't wait to to see you in the next episode. And I will see you on the flip side. Talk to you soon.